It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com and CBS Sports.com networks. Thank you, as always, for listening. I truly appreciate that. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and the Android app, and you should definitely check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network, which includes Locked On NFL Draft, a really, really good podcast. John Ledger does a great job over there. So there's Locked On NFL Draft, Locked On NFL, and Locked On Fantasy. And of course, there's my website, PackerReport.com. Not a whole lot over there, I have to admit. I'm waiting for the NFL to announce the list of 320, 330 players who will be invited to the scouting combine here in a couple weeks in Indianapolis. When I make that announcement, I will put the finishing touches on my annual Scouting Combine research series. I'm about 100 players into it. I will go position by position talking about every single player going to Indianapolis. For today's show, a bit of a change in gears. Yesterday I mentioned I was going to go cornerbacks, safeties, special teams to wrap up my position by position review. But yesterday, a portion of the annual special teams rankings compiled by the Dallas Morning News' Rick Goslin came out. Not all of them, just a portion. The Packers are in that portion. So we'll talk about that, so I'm moving special teams up to today. Then I'll go corners and safeties after that. All right, special teams. Goslin, every year, I'm not sure how many years he's done it, for a long time, he takes 22 categories of special teams. If you finish first in the category, you get one point. If you finish second, you get two points. If you finish 32nd, you get 32 points. So those 22 categories, the Packers finished 29th. It's not very good. They finished 29th. Um, interestingly, you can't find Goslin's story anywhere. He, he said they're going to get published on Sunday. Um, but apparently one of the writers from DetroitLions.com asked him for some of the information, and he gave it to him in advance. Um, so you can find some of the story over at DetroitLions.com. Otherwise, I have the highlights in a story over at PackerReport.com. Of course, I will hit on the highlights here, but I highly encourage you to check out the story, too. This marks four consecutive years in which Green Bay has finished in the bottom half of the league. 
Last year, Green Bay finished 17th. That was the first year with Ron Zook as coordinator. That's a big improvement over 2014, which is the last year under Sean Slocum. That team finished 31st. I'm sorry, they finished 32nd last year. If I could read my own notes, I'd be further ahead. You know, if, and if you are going to write notes, you should actually look at the notes rather than just talking and kind of taking a peek at them. That works a lot better. Um, so, again, Green Bay finished 29th this year, 17th under Zook in 2015, 32nd under Slocum in 2014, then it was 18th in 2013, 12th in 2012, 13th in 2011, 29th in 2010, and 31st in 2009. So it's not true to say the Packers are always terrible on special teams. They've mostly been terrible, but not always. They did, there was a couple of good years, and last year they made a big step forward. Unfortunately, they took that step back this year. Now, I do my own special teams rankings, and I've had a, um, a special teams coordinator tell me when I debuted these four years ago that mine are better than Goslin's because I weigh the things that matter. And my rankings have, are really, it's, mine are starting field position on kickoffs, starting field position on kickoff returns, net punt average, opponent net punt average, and then I do field goal percentage. I, now, I had another, I had a special teams coordinator tell me that mine were better because I have the stats that matter. Now, Goslin will do, he ranks your team's punting average, and then he ranks your team's punt coverage, and then I think he also ranks your net punts. So he's kind of triple counting some things, and, and if you, this, and this is especially pertinent back in the good old days, and everybody made every extra point. He would count him, he would key counts extra point percentage the same as like starting field position after a kickoff. Well, I mean, there's, there's clear that those two are not equivalent stats. I mean, field position on a kickoff is far more important than, you know, guy, if, if you miss an extra point, that could be a, a 10 point difference in the standings. So I, I had a coordinator say that mine are better. But nonetheless, that's one man's opinion. Um, in mine, Green Bay finished much better. I had them 17th. So we're going um, Gaza doesn't publish all the findings from all 22 of his stat groups. He, he, he will publish the teams that finish um, at, at, uh, near the top and, the, and near the bottom of his list. Um, in my five stats, Green Bay finished... The first, the plus. Green Bay finished sixth in opponent net punting. Now, what 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 is that? That's when the other team punts the ball and you return it. So it is the exchange of field position when the other team punts. Um, the opponents had a net punt average against Green Bay of thirty eight point five. That gave that was the um, sixth lowest or sixth best, depending on how you want to view that in the league. So Green Bay scored major points there. They finished 10th in field goals with Mason Crosby. Crosby, 26 out of 30, 86.7%, and 86.7% ranks 10th in the league. And Green Bay finished 15th in starting, in starting field position on kickoff returns. Now, Green Bay's return average is pretty dismal, but I don't care about that. The only thing that matters to me is where do you start with the football? And Green Bay was one of the teams that was smart. 
If that ball went into the end zone, Green Bay took a touchback with the new, with the new touchback rules. He took over at the 25-yard line. And the stats showed that taking a touchback was the way to go. For instance, Carolina's average starting position was the 25-yard line. And that was good enough to finish 11th in the league. So what I'm saying is, 20 teams, or 12, I guess it was, it was 21 teams finished a starting field position of less than the 25, which means you should just simply take a touchback and be happy with it. And that's what Green Bay did. Green Bay had a touchback percentage of 60.2%. Simply content to take the ball to the 25-yard line. So those are the three things they did well. For net punting for Jacob Shum, Shum finished 24th in net punting with a net of 39.1. Now, as always, when you, when you punt the ball in Green Bay, it's always going to have an ass for spot. That ends up being one of the best seasons, what best seasons in Packers history. So Green Bay is never going to finish good in that category. Not when it's Lambeau Field in December and they had a, a Soldier Field December game as well. And then last, last and least, not last but not least, but last and least, Green Bay finished dead last in starting field position on kickoffs. Now, they did a lot better. Green Bay had a, a, a patch there for a few games where they were just horrible. The average starting point was 26.6 yard line. They allowed a touchdown. So that's the, the five important categories in my book. Again, that was sixth in opponent net punting, 10th in field goal percentage, 15th in field position on kickoff returns, 24th in net punting and dead last on kickoff returns allowed. So I had Green Bay finishing 17th, and I wrote this week after week after week in the World's Best Preview that the Packers special teams are getting better and better and better. And that was borne out by my rankings. I did them after week 12. At that point, Green Bay was 22nd. So a, a, big, a big switch there down the stretch. If you're interested in my full rankings, they've been posting the subscribers form over at Packer Report for, I don't know, two or three weeks. So you can check out the full rankings over there. All right, let's get into the individualized part of the shall we? Mason Crosby, again, 26 out of 30 on field goals. Another strong year for him. The postseason was the great against Dallas and the bad, that missed field goal to start things off in that playoff game against Atlanta. Interestingly, Crosby just one out of two on kicks from 50-plus yards in a regular season. Obviously, he, made, he was two for two against Dallas in the playoff game. But just one out of two. So I think Crosby probably gets a little bit of a lift on field goal accuracy based on the fact that he just didn't kick many long ones. Um, he did miss three extra points. Last year was the first year with the, with the new extra point rule with the ball to 15 for a 33-yard kick. He was, I think, one of five kickers last year who did not miss any. So he missed three this year. I'm sure that's going to hurt him in, in Goslin's rankings. But another good year by Crosby. Punting, shum. And I've said this about ten times in this podcast now, over the last two months or so. When the Packers cut Tim Mastay in replacement of Jacob Shum, I was about as critical of that move as anything. Or as anybody. Because Mazda had just come off a season where he set the franchise record for net punt average. 
and they replaced him with a guy who, if you took Massey's stats in Green Bay, they were better than Shum's stats in Tampa Bay. And you wonder, well, how in the hell is this a step forward when a guy who struggled in warm weather Tampa Bay replaces a proven cold weather kicker? And for quite a spell, I was right. Week two against Minnesota, Shum had a net of 38-6 in a dome. Week three against Detroit, a 33.5-yard net. The week four against the Giants, a 35.0-yard net. For the first quarter of the season, I was right. And then Shum turned it around and punted a lot better down the stretch. Ends up with a net of 39.1. His three-game net playoff average of 42.7, the second best in franchise history. He punted really, really well in the playoffs. Again, it helps to punt indoors, obviously, which he did against the Giants, excuse me, against the Cowboys and Falcons. That certainly, that certainly helps punters. He punted better and better as, as the year went on. And one, I thought one really key stat here, opponents returned just 28.6% of his punts. Of his 56 punts, just 16 were returned. And that 28.6 is the best rate in the NFL this season. Obviously, you can't return kicks for touchdowns if you're not returning kicks at all. So I think Shum did a really, really great job there of executing the plan. And this is you know, similar to Mastay, too. And I would defend Mastay's punts a lot of times by saying he's doing what he's asked to do. He's putting the ball in spots. Not always trying to kick the ball a mile high and a mile down the field. He's kicking the ball to spots to let his coverage team get down there and make plays. And he did that. But Chum did even better in Mass Day. The lowest return percentage in the league. So, yeah, opponents returned 9 point... Excuse me, opponents' average return was 9.4 yards, which is a bit much. But they just didn't get their hands on many balls. I mean, you take 151 return yards, is what opponents had against them, and you divide that into 56 punts. That means, if you, never mind return average, the average punt was returned... 2.7 yards. So I just think he did a really, really good job. And you can't just look at the, boy, that punt's not very high. It's not very far. Shoot, I, me and Rob Domofsky, and I'm not up in the press box, we we do hang time on every punt. Well, he does. I, I'm sometimes I'm a bit slow getting my iPhone ready. But um, Rob is the punt doctor, as he's been named several times. Um, Shum's punt. Many times, Shum's hang time will never really blow you away. I mean, he get beat hang time-wise frequently by the opposing punter. But he puts the ball in spots where teams can't return him, or he puts him right in the sun. So he did a really good job there. Return game. Not much to speak of here. Now, again, Green Bay with a decent average of nine yards per punt return, but a lot of that was on Trevor Davis. Davis had a 55-yard return against Atlanta. But then he muffed the punt a couple weeks later, and that was that for Davis. Um, once upon a time, Micah Hyde was one of the best punt returners in the league. He had a total of three return touchdowns in 2013 and 2014. He hasn't had one since. He struggled the last two years. Although I, th- I thought he did return it better down the stretch. But Hyde with a 5.8-yard average on 11 returns. Davis, 12.8 on nine returns. Randall Cobb got a chance. He averaged 13.5 on four returns. So, again, 
I, I thought the punt return unit and the kickoff coverage unit really improved down the stretch of things here. Kickoff returns. A real, this is just a dismal, dismal, dismal unit. And this is why the Packers are happy to take touchbacks. Last year, there were six returners in the entire league who averaged more than 29 yards per kickoff return. Six. One was Ty Montgomery, and one was Jeff Janis. This year, on 18 returns, Montgomery averaged 20.3. Jeff Janis on six returns, averaged 19.8. Trevor Davis got 21.3 on three. Same for Kristen Michael. Of course, Michael couldn't catch a cold half the time. Um, Packers were awful. They averaged 19.7 yards <laughs> per kickoff return. 19.7. It was tied for 24th in the league, which shocks me. I said, just hit pause in the recording to look this up. Tampa Bay averaged 14.6. How in the hell do you do that? They had a long... Tampa Bay... (laughs) Jesus Christ, many sakes. Tampa Bay's long return was 26 yards. Two teams averaged more than that. Philly and Minnesota averaged more than Tampa Bay's longest kickoff return. That is unbelievable. So from that perspective, Green Bay is all worth on kickoff returns with their balmy 19.7-yard average. That's that's uh, that's embarrassing. Green Bay did so Green Bay's return unit is gonna need a kick in the pants. You compare that 19.7 to opponents averaging 26.3 per return. That's a uh, a rather large swing and field position if you just base it on numbers, which is why. Green Bay, again, was smart to just simply take touchbacks all year long. Um, Again, the Packers finished last in the league with opponent net field position over the 26.6-yard line. That includes the one touchdown against Indy. So a mixed bag there, special teams-wise. If you look at the tackle stuff here, I'm looking at the stats here, if you hear papers crinkling. Jamon Elliott, a team-high 13. And that's with him missing a few games with a broken hand. Rookies Marwan Evans and Kyler Fackrell with nine. And rookie Kentrell Bryce with eight. We were special teams leaders in tackles. And that will do with the special teams look back. Um, one quick extra note here. If you go to blog.seriousxm.com or you can just uh, check out the SiriusXM NFL Twitter feed if you're a Twitter person. Um, you will find a link to some transcript from T.J. Lang. Lang was on Sirius yesterday. I know uh, other guys in the beat wrote about it. I did not. I'm so deep in the draft mode now that uh, I just have got my head stuck in the sand right now. Um, but some notes here from T.J. Lang. Lang said, I haven't heard from the Packers. I'll re- I will read the quote here. This is with... Uh, um, Bruce Murray and Brady Quinn on Sirius yesterday. I think I'm definitely excited the closer we get near for agency, a little over three weeks away, and excited to see what other teams think of me, and really probably my last chance to sign, earn a nice contract here going into my ninth year. So definitely Green Bay is the place I played my whole career. I really enjoyed it up there, but I haven't heard a word from them, so I don't know what the plans are. The closer we get, the more prepared I am to go and see what else is out there. And the part of me, too, stresses a little bit 
just the unknown. Sitting here thinking maybe there'll be five, six, seven teams that come after me, and then, hey, maybe there's only one team. Maybe there's really not any teams. Are teams going to be turned away because I had the hip surgery, even though it's a pretty common procedure around the NFL? It's just so much unknown right now that I'm just really trying to take it day by day. Um, you can read a little bit more from, from TJ. Like I said, if you check out the serious blog, I know like Rob Demosky had a story, and I know the, the Journal Sentinel had a story as well. I'm not surprised Green Bay hasn't contacted him. Um, again, I don't know. This is not any insider information here, I promise you. But I would think if you're Green Bay, you're in uh, the agent of Lang, you're in the ear of Lang's agent. And just say, hey, keep us posted. And give us a shot at it. And, and you know, maybe, maybe let the rest of the league set the bar on this. And then and, and you say, if, if you're, if, your number one offer is X. Say, ah, we'll match that. So I, I that's just my hunch. I just don't think I don't think there's any I shouldn't even say this, it's probably not right, but with Lang's injury history, I think if you're Green Bay, maybe it's not a bad gamble to wait. I mean, Lang is twenty nine. He's had it's not and it's not just the hip. He had the broken foot, he had shoulder surgery last year. I just wonder if you're Green Bay, you're not better off waiting here to see what the market is and potentially focusing more on guys like Jared Cook and Nick Perry, who are probably going to be in demand. Obviously, Cook had a fantastic stretch run. Um, Perry has his own injury history, obviously. But you can make the argument that he was their best player on defense this season and maybe prioritize those two guys and try to get them done before before free agency starts and then get to Lang. Because remember... Lang can talk to other teams from March 7th through 9th. He can talk to other teams. And then free agency starts the next day. Or, I mean, the signing period starts the next day. So where you don't have to worry about Lang signing with somebody. He can talk for three days, get the lay of the land. His agent talks to the Packers, and you can get that done if Green Bay thinks the price is exorbitant. So that's my hunch when what happens on the TJ Lang front. So I, I guess I'm, what I'm saying is don't worry that the Packers haven't to talk to Lang just yet. And that will do it for today's episode of Lockdown Packers. My sincere thank you for listening. I truly appreciate it. Have a great day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.